Wow. I know it's dark out there, and I, I think the sound's working, too. Good morning, PLC. Man, it's good to be here. My name is Chuck Stecker. Obviously, I'm not Pastor Andrew. Uh, clearly not Dawn. How about that? But uh, this is my home church. For those that are guests here, those who are online with us, thank you for being here. If you're a guest here today with us, uh, one, I just want to encourage you. We've got an amazing team at Passionate Life Church. I have the honor of filling in on occasion. Our pastor and his family are getting some rest and restoration, which uh, we know the pace that they go. Uh, we're certainly grateful that as leaders, they're smart enough to do that because we're the ones that benefit from that. But I will tell you this, next week, Pastor Lismar, our worship pastor, will be bringing the work. Come on, let's give him a hand. Yeah. And then the second, uh, right after that, Pastor will be back. I need to warn you. Um, there are two times in the pastor's life that you need to, when you come, strap in, put your seat backs and your tables in the upright position, you understand, and just kind of hang on and get ready. It's just before he goes on vacation because he wants to cover the next three months. You got me on that one. And you always know. And when he gets back from vacation, you, you actually need pilot straps, you know, that just cover everything. So just, just kind of get ready for that. I, uh, the message today, and I was thinking about this, and it's called Just Show Up. And what really prompted me on this was very simply, uh, the last seven weeks, if you haven't dialed in on those messages, we started off on the first week of May with Dalton Reisner, a Bronco, uh, but just a great message on identity. And our, uh, Pastor Dawn talked to us about humility of Hannah. And then we've had four weeks kind of broken in there with pastor really drilling in and just rocking my world on this issue of being shaken, that what God was doing to us. And believe me, the title just nailed me. He might have just been talking to me, but through that time frame. And of course, last week, Pastor Mike from Colorado Springs, one of our overseers, brought a great word for us. But during that seven weeks, it was pretty powerful and it was just like beaten into me. And as I was sitting here, I'm going, What's the next step forward? As we've listened to the messages and we've got those, and if you didn't, can I encourage you to do that? But what's the next step forward? And I really felt like what God was in pl placing on my heart was just to give you, here's a step forward now. Here's where we've been. Here's the things that God's kind of rattled me with. And let's just talk about what's next then as a step forward. As we do that, I... Uh, it's interesting. There's going to be a sheet that says, uh, we actually have a ministry called A Chosen Generation. If you want to get a hold of me, this is my home church. So we just throw that up, achosengeneration.org. You can find whatever you need to find about that and send me some notes. Here's uh, the other thing that hit me last week on this issue of just showing up to kind of set it. Now, I learned from pastor too. My time hasn't started yet because I haven't prayed. Can I get a witness? And I told him that. Yeah. Okay. So bottom line on this is I'm watching last week and I'm watching the, each week that we've been here. And this is mine and Billy's home church and love being here. But I see Pastor Lismar and all of the team that's up here. And I am so blessed by what God does in and through them. And then it dawned on me as I'm watching this. We know those folks, a lot of you. 
it would be, be real easy for us to look up in our kind of brokenness and the battles that we're in and going, yeah, well, it's easy for them. Their life is perfect. You know what I'm saying? Look at Liz Moore. I mean, her life is perfect, right? I mean, of course, look at Nate, her husband. How much better could it get? Come on, man. Can I get a witness here? Somebody say something. So the bottom line is, though, in knowing those issues, um, what really hit me was week after week after week, Pastor Lismar and her team, regardless of what's going on in their life, and I'm going to draw this in a little bit and use Jesus as an example, but I want you to remember this personally right here. No matter what's going on in their lives, you would never tell it here, would you? Because they come to serve us. And on days, I would guarantee you, on days they would rather be someplace else doing something else, they're obedient to God and they just show up and let God be God. How about our worship team? Can we give them a hand? Okay. The, um, here's what I want to talk to you about today. And uh, they're going to control me and control the slides so they'll tell us where we're at on this thing. But much of the work that Jesus did, he did by just showing up. That was it. You know, there was no five-year strategic plan. God had it, but Jesus, the majority of work that Jesus did was in obedience to the Father and just showing up. And the big idea for us today is very simple. God can and will do amazing things in and through his sons and daughters who are willing to just show up. Just be present in the moment. You understand? Just show up. Now, uh, it's not a quote that's up there, and somebody's going to ask me for it. And our son, I quote him pretty regularly, uh, learn a lot from him, but he, he made this statement, and I wrote it down. God is not bound by time, but he is found in the moment. Is that a good one, somebody? Yeah, God is not bound by time, but he is found in the moment. And the way we find him in the moment is, look, we just show up. And that's what he did. I want to take you here to the scripture, the woman at the well. It's in John chapter 4. Uh, if any of you have been following The Chosen, and you can get that on YouTube and that, oh my goodness, highly recommend it. But let's go to that scripture there. In John 4, and what happens is Jesus kind of takes a detour on this thing. And what happens is, in fact, the disciples are looking for him to say, well, it's this route here. And he goes, well, we're going to go a little bit different way. And we're going to go into Samaria where Jews don't go, right? And they get there to the well, and here's where we pick up. And it says this. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making a baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left. Judea, and departed for Galilee. Let me just give you the Stecker International Version. Jesus got ran out of town because he knew it wasn't his moment to stand and fight. So in obedience to the Father, he then, and some of them say, you know, they'll say, he had to. Anytime you hear and look at scriptures and it says, Jesus had to, I want you to add the words, to be obedient. Did you get that? Anytime you look at a scripture and it says, Jesus had to, whatever follows, would you add the words in order to be obedient to the Father? Because we know this, that he said, I only came to do the will of my Father. Okay? So he did this. So he left Judea, departed, got it. He had to, what do we say? In order to be obedient. Did you get that? 
he had to, in order to be obedient, pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Okay, let's continue with that scripture. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, weary, remember that word, as he was from his journey, by the way, he did not have a black Cadillac Escalade with a driver and a bodyguard. You get this? We're pretty much understanding how Jesus got from place to place. My wife looked at me. She says, where are your shoes? And I said, honey, they're at home right by the door where I keep them. These are my sandals. I think she knew that. Just as a sidebar, I get to do this. I was preaching in South Korea, and the chaplain impressed upon me. He said, Chuck, I want you to be casual. This is the blue jean service. We are known all over the base as the blue jean service. So I said, okay, I wore blue jeans. I also wore sandals. I got up to the platform when he looked at me, and he goes to the congregation. He says, I want to introduce Chuck. And he says, all of you know, this is the blue jean sandal, blue jeans service. It's also the um, sandal service now. Feel free to wear them next week. So bottom line is, so he was there. He was wearied from the journey. He was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, late at night, okay, in the evening. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. I love it in the chosen because they add the word please, because I think Jesus would have said please. For his, don't you? Everybody? Okay, good. So he says, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food, all right? I want to tell you four things about Jesus that we know just from this short scripture in this time frame right there, okay? I'll figure out how to use the technology here shortly. Let's go to those. Number one is it says he was weary. It says he was wearied from the journey. There's a difference between we get tired and weary. One time my wife and I, and we won't go into the whole story, but we were just absolutely beat. Slept for about three days, and God gave me a word that says, when you're tired, you need rest. When you're weary, you need restoration. As God's sons and daughters, we've got to know the difference. For me, I get a good night's rest. On I'm tired. I kind of bounce back. But when I'm weary, even when I get a night's sleep or two by that afternoon, I know there's more. Tired means you're getting tired outside in. God never tells you don't really get tired. He says, don't grow weary from doing good. You get that? So this idea of weary is breaking apart from the inside. It says, so Jesus was weary. Say this with me, weary. You can do better than that. Weary. There you go. Much better. Now let's go to the next thing. Number one, we know. Two, we know he was thirsty. Why do we know this? Jesus said to her, please give me a drink, right? Now this is going to get crazy for him because here's what. One, Jews don't talk to Samaritans. Two, Jewish men do not talk to women they do not know. So here he is as a Jew talking to a Samaritan woman. Got it? Absolute no-nos in the culture. Of course, Jesus was always one to do everything by the rules of the culture, so we know this is a problem. Somebody ought to get that. You understand what I'm saying? If you didn't get it, ask the person next to you. All right. So we know this. He was weary. We know that he was thirsty. The third thing that we know about him was he was all alone. For his disciples, all of them, okay? had gone away into the city, all of his disciples. So here he sits by the well of Jacob. So we know he's weary. We know he's thirsty. He's asked for water. We know he's all alone. And let me just tell you something on this, saints. You don't have to feel alone only when there's nobody else around you. I will tell you, you talk to people in battles, and they can sit in a room full of people, and they can feel so all alone, 
so isolated, so by themselves in the world that they're having to deal. So this idea of being alone is more than a physical aspect of being alone, right? In fact, the most incredible one was when Jesus says, Father, why has thou forsaken me on the cross, right? And you talk about feeling alone without the Father. First time you'd ever experienced that. So he was alone. Fourth thing we know about Jesus is this. The man was hungry. I mean, look, in his humanness, right, we know this. They had just had a long journey. He had got run out of town. It wasn't his moment to stand and fight. So they make the journey. He sits down for that encounter that God himself had prepared for an obedient son. So here's what we know then. He was hungry. Here's the fourth thing. Jesus was weary. I like the second word there. He was weary. He was thirsty. He was alone. And he was hungry. I'm going to ask you to say these words with me, but I'm going to ask you to, as you say them, I'm going to ask you to own them right there with me because I can easy. Weary, do better than that. Weary, much better. Thirsty, alone, hungry. And that's where Jesus was at. Now I ask you the question here. Okay, when you get through all of that, if you would think for just a moment with all four of those that God had him right where he wanted him, I, I kind of ask you this. It'd be fun to see all your faces, but I feel like I'm being interrogated. This is good. It's happened. Don't go there. Okay. But bottom line is, when you think about this, weary, thirsty, alone, and hungry. And if I would say to you, boy, saints, man, don't you feel like God's got you right where he wants you to do something magnificent in your life? I mean, how many of you would go right now feeling all of those characteristics where it was all you could do to get here? That's it. It was everything you had to get up this morning, to get here to PLC or to watch it online. How many of you just feeling spiritually like you're crawling through the door? And then you hear those four things and you go, wow, is this the opportunity of a lifetime? I better get to that welcome desk and tell them I want to serve in six places. Right? And believe me, they'd love to have you. I talked to Kathy today. I just call her Texas. But Mary Grace and all of them at the table, they go, man, that would be great. Just have them rush out and sign up when they're weary and alone and thirsty and hungry. But we don't think like that, do we? And the real issue is, We've got to start thinking like Jesus because what happened? Let's go to that next scripture. In that moment, when Jesus just showed up, that's it. He didn't come with a plan. He didn't have a Rand McNally map. He didn't have a program in his daytimer to tell him what to do next. Here's what Jesus knew. His father said, go there, just show up. I'll take it from that point. The problem is, in our humanness, as followers of Christ, we expect God to lay out the plan for us, don't we? All right, let me just talk to the men for a minute, okay? Guys, listen to me. Now I can see some of you too. You're in trouble now. We're the worst ones. We are the worst ones. The way women are made up, say we need some help, and they say, what time? They show up. You ask a guy for help, we're afraid of being put in a position where we'll be embarrassed or found out Tell the truth, shame the devil, let's move on. And you know what we want to know? Well, what time do you want me there, okay? How long will you need me? And when I'm there, what, what are you asking me to do? What do I need to do? Okay, guys, you know, it's going to be one thing we say, I just, you know, I, I want to be a Christ follower. 
I want, to, I want Christ to dwell in me through the power of the Holy Spirit, then can I tell you this in love? And you know I love you. Then get off your butt and do something. Show up. And I'm going to give you some examples later. But honestly, guys, we're the problem. I know some of you sitting there don't want to hear that, and you may not come back, okay? But I just need to tell you, if we'll get it right, guys, our women are hungry to follow men who are obedient to Christ and who are willing to get there. I know that because I'm married to one. And she, she's 44 years training, and she's hoping I'm going to get there. Okay, let's go to that next one. Okay, that wasn't funny. I'll tell you when it's funny. All right, let's go to that next scripture. Let's see what happens when he shows up. Jesus is there. He speaks to the woman, right? And said, this is what I need, a drink. And, you know, there's an exchange, and we're cutting it short. But Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him or her, them, will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him became a, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come to draw water. You know what she's really asking? You know what her job was, doesn't it? Her job was to carry water for others. And here's where we get to it. When you just show up, I want to tell you one of the things that, and again, if you're new to passionate life, let me just, I'm going to tell you some things about us. And I say us because this is me, as this my church. Most Sundays, every time I'm sitting out there someplace with my beautiful bride, okay? This is us right here. But here's the deal. I love passion life from the moment we walked in. What I felt here was, go to that next slide, was the issue of when Jesus spoke, he spoke with truth and love. Now, I want to tell you what the problem is on this. The problem is very simple, saints. We think because the words are in the order truth and love, all too often as Christians, followers of Christ, and we're the ones that can be the most guilty of it, so I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm just trying to tell you the truth, shame the devil, and let's get stronger together, family. We think because the word truth comes before love that they got to be hit with the truth, and if they can handle that, we'll learn to love them. It's not what God intended. God intended, and let me just tell you, I, here's my picture. It sounds as crazy as can be, but it's this idea that we had a little dog that you could, you know, the pill, and my wife would put it in cheese. He'd chew up the cheese, spit it out, so forth. But the truth was he needed that pill. And then she found these pill pockets for dogs. Oh, my gosh. You put it in there. And what you had was the truth was the pill surrounded by love. And when, he, oh, yeah. And that's what he saw that little pill pocket taste like. That was love coming from her. And then he'd swallow the pill to go with it. Did you ever think the truth that we have to give people by just showing up has to be surrounded with love? And here, Jesus gives us the example. Let's go to that scripture there. What happens here is he tells her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered, I have no husband. All right, now this is where I know none of you have ever made the mistake. So I'll just use myself as an example. And you can recognize it in the future if it should happen anywhere. And that is, when somebody tells you a flat lie, there's been a tendency on my, like I said, not yours, but on my part, just to smack them right between the eyes. You know, boom! You'd say that to me? I know the truth, and you do too. Tell me the truth. Yeah, well, let me just tell you something. 
Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ didn't operate that well, that way. And here's what he said, you know, and I, I, you know, there's those moments you have this picture in your mind. I do. You know, one of the pictures I have in my mind of Jesus, it's his face when he spoke this to the woman at the well. Because you know what? Of all the times he spoke love and he raised Lazarus from the dead and, you know, all of those. Okay, I get those. But there's this moment with this woman who desperately needs the truth, who is searching for the truth. It'll come out. He has the opportunity just to put her in her place. What does he do? And this is where I, I can picture the face of Jesus. And when we talk about there's a, a face of love or there's a face of grace and so forth, I'll bet his face that this woman here told more about the living God than any words he would speak afterwards. And she saw it in his eyes. And here's what he says. You're right in saying, I have no husband. But you've had five husbands. And the one you're living with now, that's not your husband. So what you've said, you know, it's actually true. It's okay. And there's this love that comes out when you take the truth and you wrap it in love. And when Billy and I first came to PLC, we'd been in another church for a lot of years, a couple of decades, and God had just kind of moved us and in the neighborhood here. And, you know, we kind of say, what do you want in a church? You know one of the things that I wanted? I wanted a church where I felt truth and love, I heard truth and love, and experienced truth and love. Oh, I needed the truth, believe me. Wasn't running from that. But when you've been someplace for a long time, for whatever reason, whether it's a move to here, whatever, and you need the love too, don't you? There are some of you, if this is your first time here, this is your first time at PLC, I think you're probably here searching. Honestly, you want the truth because you came to church. But I think you also want to experience the love of Christ. My prayer is that you'll feel that today. And then here's what happens after that. He tells her that, right? Let's go to that next slide. What happened was he met her at her point of expectation. All of us have a point of expectation when it comes. And here's what it is. The woman at the well said to him, go ahead to that next. He said, I know that a Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And then Jesus looked at her and said, I'm the guy. That's it. I know you can fancy up the words and so forth, you know what I mean, and whatever version you read, but isn't that what he said? And again, it's in that moment with Jesus' eyes and that compassion that I just, that love of that man that I could just feel again in his face when he said, yes, ma'am, I'm the guy. I'm the one you've been waiting on. You know, when you get that, outside of the disciples, first person he revealed it to, did you know that? Now you're going to get this. And I, I tell this because I've been in places where um, women are less empowered than they are at PLC. Did I say that delicately enough? Because that's what I learned in the Army Special Forces and Rangers was delicacy and sensitivity. I classic. <laughs> Thank you, somebody. Okay. They're awake. I'm good. All right. But that's true. Delicacy and sensitivity. That's what happened. Okay, so I wanted to be delicate in saying there are places that are less empowering 
not speaking against anyone, then we are at PLC where everyone, men, women, younger, older, look, I'm 98 and he's letting me preach. That tells you how he feels about <laughs> older people, okay? But the reality of it is where we feel here, show up. God wants to empower you and we want to be the agents to be obedient to God. And we've got people all over the church that will tell you that wasn't their experience elsewhere, not speaking against anyone else. I'm saying there's a culture here where your gifts need to be empowered to serve God, not PLC. Got it? Okay, so she goes on, and here's, what, here's what's said here. Okay, many Samaritans from that town, she goes into town, right? And I'm skipping a lot of the in-betweens, but you know it's in John 4 here. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And what was it? She had a point of need. Her point of expectation and need was, there will be a man who knows everything about me. There it is. And right there, and told me everything that I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of the word. Now, let me just tell you some things about this. And this is very important for me because, again, we got to get this right. And I think we do pretty good here. Not that um, we can't do better. And pastor would tell you that himself. We're striving to create a culture of excellence. But here's the thing. One, you often feel like your testimony has to be an eight-week class. I always figured that Jacob's well was a good distance from the town because she probably had to take an eight-week class on how to give her testimony. You know what I'm saying? And all her testimony was the truth. I met a man. And I can, I can tell you and just kind of put, I met a man who knows everything about me. And I saw more love in that man than I've experienced in my entire life. That was her testimony. I met a man who knows everything about me. Six husbands and the man you're living with now was not your husband. He knows everything about me. And I saw more love in that man's eyes than I've ever experienced in my entire life. That was it. By the way, that's my testimony. You just heard it. I met a man who knows everything about me. And I see more love in him than I've ever experienced and could have ever wanted. And so what happens is, we already said, she's the one. Jesus spoke to her, empowered her with the truth, right? She runs into town. And this is another thing. The first evangelist is a female. She's the one that goes into town. Now, look, I'm not speaking against male, female, whatever. I'm just saying, man, in God's kingdom, there's a place for everybody here to do what God's calling us to do. And we all function better together than we do apart. And we've got to get that part right, don't we? That every single person here has been called, gifted with a purpose and a destiny from God Almighty himself. So what happens is a lot, doesn't it? Here's the next piece of this. It's just a summary. It's very clear. But she goes back and tells her friends, many believed in Jesus just because of her testimony. That's it. Many more came to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to skip the slides there and just go down to the very end of this thing, if you would. And just want to honor our time. Just skip to a bunch. We're going to go to the one there when things, when we are tired, weary, thirsty, and hungry. I just want you to get the understanding that we're right where God wants us. Very often, uh, people think in terms of, man, I can do this. And you know, where God wants us is, I can't do this unless God is with me. 
Because if your goals and your plans are so small that you can do it, you don't need God and you don't need a Savior, do you? But the reality of it is, my plans and dreams for my family, for this church, for each of you are so big, we can't get there without God. And the first step, I told you, what's our move forward point then as we come through this after that series is to realize we're exactly where God wants us to be. We just need to show up. I'm going to give you just some, just some things here, okay? Places to just show up. Let's start with this, and I'll explain some things here. One is, if you're married, show up in your marriage. Just show up. And what I mean by that is not just physically be there, but I'm suggesting to you that you show up, and you're emotionally, you're in the game. You're there. And I know that's hard sometimes, believe me. The second thing is make your family a priority. Sometimes that's tough, and make your friends a priority. Let me tell you about PLC, and I want to just encourage you here. If you're here and you call this home, you know you've settled in, and I just want to encourage you on that. If you're a guest or you're fairly new here, I want to encourage you as well. The first thing that I would tell you in just showing up is Make weekend services a priority. Read an article this last week, 28% of Americans have quit going to church during the pandemic. In that time frame, by the way, PLC has grown. Truth and love. Got it? But here's the point. Let's make weekend services a priority. Let's be here together because as a family, honestly, I can tell you this. I need to see you and I'm a better person when I get to see you rather than just sitting at home. You got that? So let's make it at that. I'm going to flip something around that you might feel is a little different. The second thing is the life group tables. This is our last weekend for life group, although you can sign up and join a, a group at any time. But this is the push. Saints, I, I can't get by on a short message on the weekend and think that's going to carry me for seven days. I need more help than that. And one of the helps that I have is I am involved in a small group on Wednesday morning with men. And I will tell you, I, I love these guys, and I have never found a group that is safe for me as a man, as that group of men are. And I am blessed. Women, ladies, all of us, or our young people, you need to get in a life group. Now, this is a little different than the order you may feel from churches, because the third thing is serve, and I'm big on serving. There's an impact table out there, saints. We need to be serving here. Now, let me just get this for you. We're not asking you to serve. And I say we're because it's my church family. And I'm not on staff. I'm here one of you people. We're together in this. You understand? Somebody got that. Okay. All right. But here's the deal. Our pastor, Mary Grace out there with that, Kathy, the rest of them, they're not asking us to serve for them. They're asking us to serve and giving us opportunities to live out our gifts for our purpose and destiny because we were created to serve. All the church wants to do is create a safe place and environment for you to live out what God created you for. Now, it's a little bit different because the order says this. Go to church, get in a life group, serve. Some churches, you might feel, okay, it really is come to church and then sign up to serve. Here's what we want at TLC. And I know this, and I can tell you this because I personally experienced it with my bride. Our team here wants you to come and get healthy, get healed, and wants you to grow. 
And if you're not getting healthy and healing and growing, please don't step up to serve. You're not ready yet. But when you are healing and you're growing, you're maturing. Remember the words that pastor used, maturing. You need to be serving because that's how God created you. And the, and the fourth part of that is let's make an impact and serve our world here. Okay? And we got lots of opportunities. So what's our move forward point? Just simply this. Just show up. Show up at home. Show up in your marriage. Show up at your church. And when you're weary and you're thirsty and you're hungry and you're all alone, maybe, just maybe, God's got you exactly where he wants you to have some of the greatest impact that you've ever felt in your life. I'm going to, uh, I want to stop and I just want to tell you the most important thing right now, whether you get the message, is I believe that every person deserves a credible offer of the gospel. I have this nagging thing that somebody would pass from this life and be standing at a point of judgment and at that point of judgment, and they would have heard me speak and they would honestly say, well, nobody ever told me the truth. Okay. That's my nagging. Here's the truth. There's only one way to the father. His name is Jesus Christ. The only way to the father. And Christ came to this earth for the purpose of dying covering our sins with his shed blood just for us. And I'm going to ask you this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and people say, well, Chuck, how do, how do I know that? And I say, here's my picture. If Jesus Christ were to return right now and stand right here in front, I know for a bazillion years we'd be on our faces. But at some point, I had this feeling that there would be that moment of meeting him and the word says, and he tells us in two or three places that it's not enough to go to church. And he speaks to this when the gate is narrow and things. He says, but I don't know you. And my prayer is, is that everyone in this church, if confronted face to face with Jesus Christ, would be able to say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know you looking at Jesus. And they would see the love that that same Samaritan woman felt when Jesus looked at her. And they would be able, and know when Jesus says that, child, he is going to call you by name. And you would be able to say it, and he will say, I know you too, and I'll present you spotless to our Father. We're going to pause and pray, and very simply, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you feel like you're uncertain about it, I'm going to ask you, as I pray, give me an opportunity to raise your hand. We don't do anything here to embarrass you at Passion of Life Church. We want you to acknowledge that to the Father. It's one of the reasons the lights are off so much here is to give you an opportunity and feel like it's you and God. So we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hands if you cannot say that and say, today is my day that I'll be able to say it for an eternity. Father, we thank you. We love you, and we praise you. We thank you, Father, for the shed blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, that you would send him to die and cover our sins. I pray for everyone here, Father, would you show them with the eyes of their hearts that moment that it says every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, if they haven't made that commitment, I pray, Father, that if this is the day by the power of the Holy Spirit in your will, Father, would you just give them the courage and just let them raise your hand. If you're sitting there today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and today is the day you would say, Father, Today is my day with you. Would you just raise your hand right where you're at, please? Thank you. Another one, thank you. 
Keep your hands up for a minute. Anybody else? Thank you. Just raise your hand. This is you and God. Thank you, sir. We got it. All right, put your hands down. I'm going to ask everybody in here to pray with me as I invite those to pray with us and making the greatest decision of their life. Just say this with me if you would. Father in heaven, I thank you that you would send your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. I have failed. I have sinned. But I acknowledge that my sins are forgiven. And I commit that I will walk every day of my life as a follower of Jesus Christ, who is my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a hand clap to those making that decision. This now.